Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Today's show is being brought to you by Comedy Central's Roast Battle. What's a roast battle? Imagine the perfect combination of stand-up comedy, rap battles, and professional wrestling all in one place. Join Brian Moses and DJ Coach T for Roast Battle the Podcast as they bring you weekly live battles from the world-famous comedy store in Hollywood as well as behind-the-scenes interviews with the industry's best comedians. You'll hear some insensitive jokes. Some politically incorrect jokes, but every joke you hear comes from a place of love. Subscribe now to Roast Battle for new episodes every Thursday in your podcast feed. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm excited for Phoenix, man. For everything going down for us. The Friday before the Rumble. We'll get into it. Big loaded show. Loaded show today. We got to get right into it. Amazing interview with Carl Anderson coming up. The state of wrestling is no joke. You know it was a busy week in wrestling when we had to do not one, but two bonus shows on Patreon. All the Patreon subscribers... Got two bonus shows this week at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Reactionary shows about everything that was going on with Wrestle Kingdom, everything going on at the AEW press conference. We'll get into all of it here on the State of Wrestling. Uh, and we have giant news for the Patreon people. So that'll be going down in the bridge segment after the interview with Carl Anderson. You'll get to hear all the big news as it concerns to the Not Sam Wrestling Patreon page at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. But before we get there, we get to Arizona. Well, technically, we're going to get there before Arizona. But we'll talk about Arizona first. January 25th is the day. It's the Friday before the Royal Rumble. And it's going down at Copper Blues Live in Desert Ridge in Phoenix, Arizona. CBLive.com is the place to be. The Friday before the Royal Rumble at 7.30 p.m., January 25th, Not Sam Wrestling comes to you, Phoenix, Arizona, live. I've heard all you guys, you say that you want Not Sam Wrestling to be doing live shows in your cities. You've heard the amazing things that we do in New York around uh, uh, WrestleMania time, SummerSlam time, whatever it is. Well, now we're coming to Phoenix, Arizona to kick off the Royal Rumble weekend. And my plan is to do a show unlike any live show we've ever done for Not Sam Wrestling. And I say that without hyperbole. I have a whole new format that I'm cooking up. I have a whole new guest system that I'm cooking up. I think you're going to love the guests. I'm combining people from the world of, of wrestling and comedy. And everybody's going to come together to celebrate the Royal Rumble. It's going to be interactive. It's going to be a multimedia experience. We're going to be looking at some of the great moments that have happened in Royal Rumble history, whether they're beloved or hilarious or ridiculous, whatever it is. 
We're going to be looking at that stuff. We're going to be providing commentary. We're going to dig deep. We're going to celebrate everything that has been the Royal Rumble over the past couple of decades. And we're going to do it live at Copper Blues Live in Phoenix, Arizona. You can get tickets now at cblive.com or you click on ticketed events at cblive.com. It'll come right up. Not Sam Wrestling, Friday, January 25th at 7.30 p.m. If that's too complicated for you, go to notsam.com. There's a big giant banner on the home page. It says, Not Sam Wrestling, Phoenix, Arizona. You can just click it. It'll take you right there. Show Phoenix that you want Not Sam Wrestling there. Show me that you want live Not Sam Wrestling shows to go along with these uh, pay-per-views that we go from town to town for uh, and and be a part of an experience that's going to be like no other. Celebrate the Royal Rumble in a way that only we can do and with the best timing possible. I mean, you're all pumped up anyway. You got your tickets. You're going to take over on Saturday. Royal Rumble on Sunday. Start at Copper Blues Live Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Me, wrestlers, comedians, going down some of the greatest moments in Royal Rumble history, celebrating everything that is the Royal Rumble. It's going to be something that you won't forget for a very, very long time. So be there with me. I would really, really appreciate it, okay? I think it's going to be a fun night. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun day today, too, because Carl Anderson is back on Not Sam Wrestling. And when I say back, Carl Anderson has a very, very deep history with this here podcast. His first appearance was way back when. It was the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And I think it was within the first 20 shows. Carl Anderson was a New Japan wrestler at the time. So, of course, still teaming uh, with the vivacious Luke Gallows. Uh, but this was when the Bullet Club was running wild uh, over New Japan. And this is when Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows were key members of that Bullet Club. Carl Anderson was in town doing an independent show in Rawway. So we got in touch with each other. He came up to the studio and uh, and we did a little interview about uh, his, his, his career, where he's been, where he wants to go. Followed him to the WWE. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows were actually a part of one of the live shows that I did in New York. Uh, and and did an, a tremendous interview. Hilarious, full of impressions. We talked about the Rock and Roll Express. By the way, coming off of that interview, which you can find if you dig through the old Not Sam Wrestling podcast or if you head over to my YouTube page and you just search in, you know, Sam Roberts, Carl Anderson. Uh, coming off of that, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows talked all this stuff about the Rock and Roll Express and how much they worshipped them. And how much that's the only team they ever want to work with. And all this stuff. A few months later, Rock and Roll Express end up going into the WWE Hall of Fame. And after that podcast, I see Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson brothering it up poolside with Ricky and Robert. An amazing time to be Carl Anderson. And I'm glad that this podcast has just a little bit to do with it. I'm glad that on some level, the history of Carl Anderson is tied in with the history of Not Sam Wrestling. Now, there's a lot to talk to this man about, especially this week. You know, we talk about the Royal Rumble and his potential participation there in Phoenix, Arizona. We talk about uh, his participation in WWE in general. How long does he see staying in WWE, uh, specifically this week, after all of the announcements were made uh, about uh, all elite wrestling that's coming out? You know, we talk about his future in WWE and specifically 
how long he sees himself staying there. Uh, does he see himself going solo at any point? How about the fact that he got himself into ridiculous shape? How about the fact that he's wearing turquoise? We dive in to all of it and more. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to brother it up. Is Talking Shop coming back? We get into it. How about the fact that he and Luke Gallows have a show called Botch Club on WWE Network? Are we going to get more episodes? We get into it. Let's brother it up, folks. Get those two sweets out. Because right now, on Not Sam Wrestling, this is the man himself, Carl Anderson. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Welcome back. This is a, this is a very special day. It's always a special day when Carl Anderson is here. Welcome back, Carl Anderson. Yeah, so what an introduction. Thank you, Sam. It, it warms my heart to know that you enjoy talking to me as much as I enjoy talking to you ever since the time I busted into your studio, full Bullet Club gear, fresh <laughs> off the plane, wearing all my own merchandise. That's right. And, With, you, still didn't think, and you still didn't think I was an idiot, baby. Not only were Thanks you, having me back. of course, not only were you wearing all your old merch, merchandise, you had, a, you had a luggage full of merchandise ready to cart down to Rawway so you could try to make a couple extra bucks. Oh, I'm, let me let me tell you let me tell you the payday I walked out of there with. <laughs> oh man, people say people say they don't do well in the Indies, man. I'm I'm ready to prove <laughs> I can prove you wrong. Well, yeah, you were kind of the beginning of that. I feel like you were right there at the forefront of making money on the Indies, right? I mean, now it's almost like uh, people people say that there's this model that's been set up by other people. But I'm here to tell you, I remember the conversations with you about uh, things like the Bullet Club and, and, and things like making money uh, independently in wrestling way before. I mean, years ago, before anybody was talking yeah. about everything that's going on now. You know, and, and uh, I love where I'm at. I love being in the WWE, of course. That's the, that was the main goal at the end. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm going to stay here for, for years after I win the Royal Rumble. But the thing <laughs> is, is... Gallows and I enjoyed it, man, because I had my New Japan contract. Then when I'd go home for two weeks, I was brothering on the weekends. I enjoyed getting out. I enjoyed professional wrestling. I enjoyed seeing the people. I enjoyed seeing those big crowds. And I enjoyed selling my merchandise. And it was a, and, and, and we, you know, fortunately made a lot of money. Right, right. Now, <laughs> and, and I mean, and that's that's clear to anybody. Now, I feel like every time, uh, every time we get together – something special happens within those conversations that maybe we don't know is going to be as special as it is until later on. Like what we said, the first time we got together and, and all this stuff, we were kind of forecasting what the wrestling world would look like for years to come. Uh, another time we got together at Caroline's there on Broadway go. in New York City, the first thing that uh, you and Luke Gallows are talking about, and this is before everybody else was talking about it, was the Rock and Roll Express obsession and I feel like now that they've, they've, they've since gone into the Hall of Fame, you guys were there for it, it's become a legend that is so much bigger than just a name drop on a podcast. Yeah, and you know, and, it, and, it, and, and like, like you know, uh, you know, and it wasn't just a name drop because we actually, you know, I, you know, I grew up in North Carolina, 1984, 1985. I had, I had posters of the Rock and Roll Express all over my room. I remember I, used to, I had this one poster where Ricky and Robert are looking, out at, looking at you. I'd walk by the poster and I'd flash I love you sign at him because that was what they did. <laughs> yeah. And I'd walk by that. I'd, I'd take, and I would take pictures with my camera. I, my, my, I, my mom had got me a, uh, you know, a camera that you can get the pictures developed. 
I'd take pictures of myself standing in front of this. So I actually invented the selfies as well, Sam. <laughs> with the help, wow. My mom, my mom, with, with my the mom help. would develop pictures and go, what were you, what were you doing here? And I go, I was, the, I was the third rock and roll express guy. Like, yeah. And you, mean, you got another roll of film know? for her to develop. It's just more selfies with you and Ricky and Robert just hanging out. Yeah, you know, and I, I got to say, like, the, um, some, some of the Hall of Fame speeches go way too long, mm -hmm. but I felt like the Rock and Roll Express went way too short. Like, I could have easily listened to another 30 minutes from the Rock and Roll Express compared to, you know, some. I mean, is there was there any I'm better crazy. feeling than when the Rock and Roll Express showed up there and in the most rock and roll way possible, they pulled out, like, seven sheets of paper just out of their pocket and tried to spread it out across the podium so they could read it all? Man, what a pop! And 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 seeing those guys down at the pool, that down at the pool during the week, and talking to Ricky and Robert, they got so many stories. And like, man, they're just a, it's just the real deal because they're 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 real brothers that still make towns on the weekends. Oh yeah, they do. Now I feel like the, that's why uh, you enjoy yourself so much in this world of wrestling. I feel like you and Luke Gallows are two of the people that have never forgotten who that little kid was that was taking selfies with the Rock and Roll Express poster, that, that you kind of are still pinching yourself at all the fun stuff that you get to do, and like you said earlier, make a lot of money doing it. You know, it, for sure, and it's, um, I, like, we, uh, the Christmas tour, after Christmas, we go, like, you know, we go to Chicago and Baltimore and New York and all that, and John Cena, Cena was on the tour. Mm-hmm. And I, Cena's always been friends with the Good Brothers, and he and it was you know, I hadn't seen John in a while, and and John goes, "Hey, Good Brothers," and I said, "John, you're still making towns even after all that Bumblebee money, baby." And I get a big pop from Cena, but it's just, he goes, and it's you know, Cena is off you know doing these ridiculously amazing things, and John is eating right; he doesn't need to come back and do this. Mm -hmm. And 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 John coming back still making towns, man, that gets me. That gets my stomach's turning, baby. That gets, it gets me pumped up. I mean, how, how amazing is it to see a guy like that? Like, not only is he making towns, but he's not just going out there and cutting a promo. He's he's going out there, and, and he's working matches. Like, he's he's legit doing these shows. And, I mean, he's doing it on TV, but he's also doing it at all the live events leading up to it. And it's like he doesn't have to, but he's no, doing man. it, you it's, know? It's, yeah. It's true. Yeah, John, you know, John and, and Roman, those guys get a lot of weird flack for for certain reasons from a certain group of fans. But I've been in there with both of them. I've been fortunate enough to be in there with both of them. And they're literally probably two, they're probably the two best, you know, wow. besides me and Gallows and, and Prince Devitt and AJ Styles. Right, right. I mean, I mean, Finn, I mean Finn Balor. I was about to say, who's this prince you speak of? Maybe maybe some some wrestler from Europe or something like that. Prince, Prince Fergie, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, do you ever feel responsible for that fan base? Because, you know, a lot of the fan base that gives crap to the uh, established guys, the Roman Reigns and the John Cena's of the world, those are the guys that would, you know, those are the back-of-the-bus kids that are sitting there going like, no, the, the, the good guys are the, are the New Japan guys. Those are the, those are the guys who are cheering for the Gallows and Andersons of the world and the, and the Finn Balors of the world and those guys. Do you ever feel like you need to make a proclamation to your fan base to say, like, hey, look at what these guys are yeah, doing. Take you know, a second. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. No. Yeah, that, that's what uh, – yeah, but that's why every time I get a chance to talk about John and Roman, I do like – I put them over because they're – you know, they work hard and they're, and they're, and they're really great. And, and into our fan base, guys, that I know there's that smarter fan base or whatever that does like Gallows and I, 
I like to reach out to them more and tell them to you know, give us a little more pops when you see us out there. Because <laughs> then maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'll, I, I know that we've got fans, and we've got lots of fans out there, but maybe if you guys got a little louder for the brothers, maybe we'll still be out there all the time. <laughs> that's right. That's, 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 what, uh, that's, that's the whole story at the end of the day. So, so. <laughs> yeah. When you you got into ridiculous shape over the last several months, you know, and and I don't know, I when you're doing what it is that you guys do, and you're out there every night in your spandex with your shirt off, do people realize yeah. as the process is happening, man, I think Carl is, I think he's onto something right now, or is it just like one day somebody kind of shakes their head and goes, wait a minute, like when did you all of a sudden get into immaculate shape? You know, I, I did start here in a couple. I, I, back to Roman again, where I'm in a Roman saying, Oh, Carl's getting WrestleMania shape. And, I, and, and, and I, and, and, and I knew that we weren't getting, that we probably had nothing on WrestleMania. And I went, well, it's not really for WrestleMania. It's kind of for my life, you know? Yeah. But, uh, and Braun Strowman said something, man, Carl's getting in shape. And this was, you know, last year or so. And I think I just, it'd been so, you know, being in Japan, in Japan and, and, and living that lifestyle, I kind of carried that. I kind of carried that over as in eating as much as I possibly could. And, probably drinking too many beverages as much as I could. And it was time to kind of like, all right, Chad, let's, or Carl, let's, let's get this together, buddy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I looked into some, some different cross, uh, CrossFit things. And I, uh, started watching my diet a lot better. And just, you know, it's, when you got to take your shirt off in front of millions of people, you got to look like a brother. And yeah. So, uh, I, I think it was time to, it was time to turn it up a little bit. And, um, you know, now, it's, yeah, so now, now it's good. My wife doesn't hate it. So, I would imagine not. Yeah, I, I was sitting there. I was watching. Uh, I had your your show from the network, uh, the Botch Club. I was watching it, and uh, and my wife was in the room, and she was like, "You know what she's and and I didn't even I I didn't even know to compliment you on this. Quite frankly, it made me a little bit uncomfortable. But she walks in and she goes, "Man, you know, Carl Anderson just has the best skin." And I went, "What?" And I and she said, "Out of all the guys, I mean, look at his face." Carl just has the best skin out of all the guys, and I was like, "Well, well, I got to ask this guy about his skin regimen." I knew he was. I said, "No, he's just he's getting himself into shape. You're just seeing that jawbone and everything. That's all that is." And she was like, "Nope, nope. He's got the best skin out of everybody." And I was like, "Geez, Jess, oh, calm that's down." Great. You know, it's now it's time to go for a Neutrogena sponsor, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> oh man, not only am I ripped now, I got great skin. I'm on fire. I'm gonna go home cocky. Yeah, did you know that, oh. or 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 is this just a just a side effect of getting into brother shape? Well, I think since we're since we're just shooting straight here and we're being honest, I yes, I do know that I've got pretty pretty <laughs> pretty sweet smooth skin. <laughs> and I've always told my hot Asian wife that, like, you know, one of the first things that attracted me to her way back in the day was, oh, that smooth Asian skin, baby. So yeah. uh, either she she must have, she must have rubbed off on me somehow. <laughs> does that does, does that day come when you shave your head for the first time? You're like, I'm going to go for the bald look, and you realize you can pull it off, and you got that smooth look. Do you? I mean, that's got to be because you know the decision every man has to make, you know, whether to go bald or not. It's not the easiest decision in the world. Well, most guys don't decide to go bald. It's out of necessity a lot of times. When you go, but when you go bald and you realize you have this wonderful shaped head and you got this smooth, smooth skin, are you sitting there on cloud nine? I mean, you know, you've got to, because if you shave your head, I mean, you know, you you've got to make sure you that you've got a good head of hair. I mean, I'm sorry, a good, a good shaped head. Yeah. You've got some kind of, you've got some kind of jawline or some kind of beard because, you know, I was trying to grow my hair out in 2000, 
six, maybe. And, and Rocky Romero, who is one of my best buddies, was looking down behind me, and he goes, yo, dog. I said, what? He goes, you got to shave this head, man. You got a big hole in the back. I said, what? <laughs> Come on. I said, nah, man. No, I don't. No, I don't. And he took a picture, and, and, and he showed it to me. I had this big, massive, like, this mitt. And I knew it was there. There was no hair in the back of my head. But I was just, you know, you just try to, you kind of, you know, you, you try to look the other way. And I finally said, that's it. I shaved it. I looked in the mirror, and boy, it looked weird. Boy, it looked weird. Well, and then I realized after a couple of years, I carried this thing pretty darn well. <laughs> it took you some time, though. It wasn't immediate. It, it, took me, it took me some time to get used to it because that's an intense, you know, that's an intense thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but I've got I've got it down to a regimen now, and I think you know, and I think I carry the the bald headed, beard headed, bearded brother look pretty darn good. Now, what about the Botch Club? Is the was the Botch Club on the WWE Network a one time deal? Is this something we're going to see again? Is this are there tweaks and changes that you'd like to make? Because I thought it was great. You know, there was uh, uh, one of the producers that did a ride along with his name was Paul, great brother. Oh yeah. Um, I guess for some reason we were doing the ride along, and for some reason he was laughing a lot. I don't know why. Probably because <laughs> we're, in my mind, funny. And he, uh, he, and he said he, he, the first time we did the ride along, he goes, "I gotta, I gotta get these guys on again." And he, and we did it again. Then he said, "I've got to create create a show for these guys." So he he wrote this show. This is his thing. He just wrote just for us. And uh, there was more. There's more to it that didn't even that didn't get to air because it's, parts of it went too long and this and that. But you know the. The goal in in our mind is to, for sure is, is to have a is to have a, a whole season of it, and you know we taped that one to see if uh, what kind of reaction it got, and I know that it, I heard it had gotten like the highest rated and the most talks ab- about, and and I and I guess there's a, there's definitely something in the works to do a, a whole season, and there, and there's enough mess ups out there, and it wasn't so much about just the mess ups. The, we we did a couple. We did some commentary on some matches that uh, didn't make it, like some uh, some really bad WCW matches. And I think that that stuff is just as funny as the as the watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. When you can just see, I mean, it's just those those moments that you can't believe actually happened in the world of wrestling, and then you get to see it through the eyes of of you and Gallows. I mean, it writes itself, right? Yeah, and and then we we can just sit there, and we're not being edited, and we're not being told what to say or what not to say, and we're just reacting to what we. To what we see, and it's uh, it's just kind of us being us. And I think when we get a chance to just be us, like we can be pretty entertaining brothers. So uh, you got the Royal Rumble coming up, of course. Um, what else is on? What else is on the horizon? When you look into 2019, you know you've gotten into the shape of your life. You're wearing turquoise now in the ring, making everybody stare at you with the bright colors. What is yeah. in the head of Carl Anderson for 2019? You know, and, and I got word that said uh, people had said the Gallows and I don't didn't match, and I'm thinking like, but if you think of Gallows, you think of Anderson, right? If you think of Anderson, right. you think Gallows. So like the turquoise, uh, I thought the turquoise was pretty cool. Yeah, I would like to. I'd like to win the Royal Rumble without yeah. Gallows, or he can be my heater for crying out loud. <laughs> my music's gonna hit. My uh-huh. music's gonna hit. I'm gonna slide in there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go stone cold on everybody and win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd like for Gallows and I to uh, to win the tag team championships again. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to always be with Gallows, but in my mind, I, I do feel like I'm one of the best wrestlers in the world. I'd like to, I would love to step into single stuff. So I'd like for 2019 to, 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 to move into that, into that aura somehow. Well, I mean, the Royal Rumble is a good place for that, to pull that move where you clear out the ring and then you're checking your imaginary watch, waiting for somebody else to come out. I think that it could work. Oh yeah, 
or AJ's in there, then my music hits, and he's all surprised, and I throw, then I throw him out. That's what we need to happen. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah, exactly. AJ. Well, it's about time. AJ's had enough time in the sun. All these guys that you came up with, they all get their time in the sun. When is it going to be Carl Anderson's time? It's time for me to get my time in the sun. AJ's looking at me as I'm talking about him as well. Right <laughs> so. just I'm going to eliminate you in the World Rumble, Alan, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that you're giving him a heads up. Yes, He's got to know. It's, 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 yeah, I'm gonna give him a heads up. He's yeah. at least in- Maybe he can maybe he can take a dive for me. Come on, he's made enough money in this business. Come on. I think that's true. I think that's true. Um, what, what about and you're planning on staying in WWE for a long, long time? I want to be in the WWE. I, I just I walked into talent relations and I and I asked um, the head of talent relations. I said I'd like to sign a uh, a lifetime contract mm-hmm. and. A gallo said he'd like to sign a legends deal now. And they all kind of laughed, and I and I, and I just I wasn't smiling. I'm kind of waiting. So trying to trying to get that lifetime I'm trying, deal. I'm trying to sign a lifetime contract as we talk now. You're trying to get that that uh, that life. that 20 year breath of Hitman Heart deal that was supposed to come through, huh? Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't have to be for that much money either. It, it, can, it can be for a little less. Yeah, yeah. You're um, a reasonable man. Not 20. Yeah, not in not twenty years. I need I need it to go for life because I feel like I'm a little ninety. I've got four kids and and my hot Asian wife is is talking a little bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that 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 means number five could be on the horizon. And, I, and so I need I need that lifetime contract for whatever amount of money they want to put down there. Well, I'm going to tell you if number five is on the horizon, that's your own fault for getting yourself into the shape that you got yourself into. Um, but and, my smooth skin, yeah. and your smooth skin. What's life been like? Yeah. You know, you're pretty you're pretty public with your family on Instagram and whatnot. People can keep up with what's going on in the in the house, Anderson. But the the change from raising three boys to now you're raising a fourth boy. What to have four children, Anderson boys in that house? Uh, what is that like? You know, it is it is uh, amazingly insane and awesome and i also forgot because my 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 third son is four years old i kind of forgot the baby thing so it's been kind of fun with the baby but then when the baby gets a little frustrated with having to just be with me and like my wife is walking around doing stuff and i keep thinking well when is my wife going to take the baby back like you know know, so how how long do i have to hold this baby while he he doesn't want to be with me anymore and like he obviously wants to eat and she doesn't want to hold him the whole time so i forgot that part but i mean but it, having four boys is – it doesn't sound much – I don't think in my mind it can get much cooler than that. Uh-huh. Um, they want to wrestle all the time. They want to play a game where I lay on the floor and they all lay down. I act like I fall asleep. Then they try to get to the door, and i got to tackle all of them all at the same time. So it's just <laughs> constant. My wife going, stocking you guys like you're making the house shake. And it's insanity. Yeah. Do you do any? But it's a beautiful insanity. More with the good brother momentarily, but you know you want to see the good brothers live. You want to see Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows as they make these towns. You want to be out there in Phoenix. The good brothers, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, they're going to be a part of Royal Rumble access. They're going to be around during NXT Takeover Phoenix. Who knows if you'll run into them? They're going to be there for the Royal Rumble, Raw, SmackDown. How do you get tickets for all this stuff? Getting tickets online—it's really very complicated. You start going site to site. You don't know what's reliable. You don't know where you're getting the best deal. Let me make it easy for you. There's too many sites. SeatGeek is the way to go. This is what they do. They pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for the price that you're willing to pay. Every purchase is fully guaranteed. 
You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make them your go-to ticket source for everything. They got sports, concerts, comedy, theater, wrestling, whatever you want. SeatGeek has it. It's so easy. I have it on my phone. It gives me such confidence to know that whatever I order from these guys, it's going to be fully guaranteed, which means I'm going to get to that venue and I'm going to get right in and I'm going to know exactly where I'm sitting. Because when you download the app, It'll show you, you click on your event, and it'll show you a seating chart of exactly where all the seats are. So you're not just going by seat numbers. You're clicking on the picture. You know where you're sitting. You know if you're getting a good deal because all the seats are, 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 are rated based on value, green, yellow, red, the best value seats, the best seats, everything you could possibly want. The SeatGeek app has it all. And the best thing? You guys are getting $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase just for listening to Not Sam Wrestling. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today, S-A-M, and you'll get $10 off. That's right, promo code SAM for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek lives an event. We have the tickets, and I have Carl Anderson for you. Are you getting the feeling that any of anyone in specific, you're like, okay, he's got he's got the gene for it. He's got the athletics. This one, this is the one that's going to end up in the ring. Well, I got to say that they they all have that. That they all have been. I put a a video out of my oldest Caden doing a spinebuster on uh, the seven year old Silas, and like <laughs> Silas took an amazing flat back and Aiden <laughs> did an amazing spine buster but then I and so I'm thinking oh no and then my four-year-old and, and had their they all had basketball games Saturday and I was able to, to be home and watch it my four-year-old like was kept fouling and nobody else was doing fouls <laughs> and, and, and everybody everybody was kind of looking at me like you know can you control your son and I, and I was like I looked at my wife and I go I, go, I guess ta- I guess tackle basketball in the basement isn't a good thing to do huh <laughs> 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 that's kind of how we, yeah. You know, that's kind of how we play. Like there's, there's, there's no fouls. We just tackle each other, and there's constant fouls. And so, I had to kind of, I could kind of teach them that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, you got to, yeah. you got to. So, it, are they right? Like, because when I'm growing up as a wrestling fan, right, and I'm wrestling, you know, the the wrestling buddies or whoever. I'm working on, you know, making a spinebuster look as awesome as possible. But I'm, you know. 20 years away from figuring out that there's an art to taking a spine buster too. Do your kids realize when one kid takes the spine buster well, does that kid realize like he also did a good job? Yeah, you know, cuz my 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 kids were wrestling with their cousins. Mm-hmm. And I and I said, "Guys, I said, guys, you got to remember um Ethan you be careful with Ethan and Sasha so goes because he doesn't know how to fall, daddy." I said, <laughs> yes. yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and then and, 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 and Caden goes and like I go Caden you know what I go you know what what moves are you only allowed to take when Daddy's here and he goes the Hurricane Rana or the Frankenstein or whichever one I want to call it I go yes that's that's one that's one so they know the moves that I have to be present for and right. they, they know the when they want to do the uh, the um, the AA when they want to do when they want to do John's finisher they know that. No matter what, they have to protect that. They have to take care of size, size ahead. Right. That's, it's pretty. You know. It's uh, yeah. They've they've uh, they've they've got it down, and they 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 know who to who to who to rough house with, and how to make them if if that if the one cousin can't fall right, well, they don't do that move to them. Well, yeah. I mean, you're a responsible parent, especially because your kids know to sell for their cousins. Like that's 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 what's important mm. when you're growing up. You know. Yeah. No. Of course. And I I, I can't imagine what it what it would have been like if Bobby Eaton. 
was my dad, like all brothered out and like yeah. coming home and sitting in the basement and telling me how to take his, one of his moves that he does and you see it on TV. And like, I just, I, it, it's got to be insane for them. Yeah. But you'd love it. I mean, you raise your kids as if Bobby Eaton, as if Bobby, what, what would it have been like if Bobby Eaton had raised you? Well, that's how you're going to raise your kids. Oh, it was, you know, and, and like, you know, and occasionally, and, and you know, and I, I get recognized every now and then. And, and like sure, of course. will go like, you know, and then like the people ask for pictures and they'll, and they go, daddy, how come people ask for pictures? And I go, cause your daddy is a brother boy. <laughs> daddy is a brother. <laughs> daddy is cool. I, do, do, is daddy not cool? And they're like, yeah, daddy is cool. And I go, thank you. All thank right. You very much. <laughs> so, so what about talking? If, 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 if my dad would have been Bobby Eaton, I wouldn't have been able to even, I would have probably been staring at him the whole time. You would, yeah, you would have been, you would have been the one asking for photos. You would have been taking your fake selfies in front of your dad all the time. <laughs> Lay down, Dad. Let, let me try the Alabama the Alabama jam on you. Is that was this flying leg drop. Yeah, I think so. What about uh, what about talking shop? I keep hearing internet rumors on the on in the Twitter sphere that uh, talking shop is on the horizon. That there's room in the in the podcast world for for more of Anderson and Gallows. Finally, what's going on? You know there is. I'm talking shop is something very near and dear to us, and uh, we like to keep that. Um, that aura out there for people for, because I know there's, uh, we get messages about it all the time. Um, my only thing is talking shop has to be uh, unrestricted. So yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to bring it out now and have to have it edited. So maybe someday in the, you never know when it can come back, but someday, somehow it will come back unannounced. You'll see us, you'll see us, a, a podcast popped out. Could be a week. It could be a year. It could be a decade. You don't know, but it's not. Could be, yeah. It, yeah. It could be sixty-five-year-old and sixty-three-year-old or sixty-two-year-old Anderson and Gallows in my mansion in Tampa doing a podcast. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, would be the best possible outcome. <laughs> like you, you and Gallows just way over the hill telling old road stories and stuff. I, I mean, that's the show that I think everybody wants to fast forward to hear. I mean, call me crazy, but at least that gives me something to look forward to in twenty years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Once that besides lifetime, my lifetime, besides my lifetime contract. Right. I'm gonna have here. Right. Once that lifetime contract starts to die down and those dates get less and less, it's like you can you can unleash the six the the ARP AARP talking shop podcast revival. There's Triple H now. Let me see if I can get this started. <laughs> see if you can get it done, man. Man. Hey, you, talk know, about, you want to talk to me about talk to me about my contract, Hunter? That's a no. All right, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like about this is that uh I'm not even going to mention the fact that we're doing this on Tuesday. I just want people to think that any time that one of you guys is doing a, a podcast over the phone, that you guys all just hang out with each other. And it's just, it's the WWE universe every time that you're anywhere. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> Hunter's here, Vince is over there, and Shelton Benjamin's right there looking at me. And my God, there's EC3. Can I say that? Is he <laughs> How long? Well, breaking news. <laughs> how, <laughs> how long did it take you to get acclimated to that WWE locker room? Because clearly, it seems that uh, that that you're quite at home with all the good brothers in the WWE. Is that something that happened very quickly, uh, or is that something? You know, yeah. I, um, I, you know, I, I think just being a brother for so long, and and I remember when I when I was in New Japan. I know when. Uh, when a train went back to the WWE, um, the WWE came over to Japan. Mm -hmm. He asked me to take a couple of the brothers out. And, uh, of course I obliged because I happened to be in Tokyo and 
you know, I got a chance to hang out with Roman when the, when the shield had just started on the road, you know, Roman was there and Curtis Axel was there and, uh, we just brothered up, you know, and that was 2000 and maybe 12, mm-hmm. 2012, we hung out in, you know, in Tokyo. So then, you know, 2013, they came back. And so I got a chance to, you know, I, I, to meet these guys. And I think they figured out pretty quickly that, you know, I, that we are, you know, not, you know, pieces of crap. And I think when we showed up, it, we, 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 it was good to see all them again. And I think they knew that we were good brothers and it was a short answer quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. Well, I mean, that... it, didn't, it didn't. It didn't take. It didn't take long to to brother up with everybody, and they're all. And you know, this is a great locker room, and and, and you know, with Shinsuke being here and AJ's here, right? And, you know, and like I said, I met Roman before, and um, it's just a lot of good brothers here, man. It's a. It's a. It's a good locker room, and hey, man, I've I've been doing this a long time, so I, I just enjoy being around the brothers. Yeah, and I mean, when somebody. Uh, genuinely enjoys it as much as you do. I think it's pretty transparent right away that this is a good dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I, I enjoy it. You know, it's uh, I I like to be around the boys, and I, I love being at home. And then you know, when I get a chance to get up to pop on that road for a couple of days, it's like, oh baby, I get to see my, I get to see the brothers. I know I'll be at home and I'll be uh, I'll be smiling at my phone, and I, and Christine, my, my wife, will go, what's what, what's so funny? And I go, oh, it's just something. EC3 said or something. She goes, God, you love the boys. And I said, yes, honey, I do love the boys. I do love the boys. <laughs> oh, that's great. You are uh, you're one in a million, Carl Anderson. The Royal Rumble, of course, coming up in Phoenix. Uh, what else is on the horizon? What else are we letting the people know about? The Royal Rumble is going to be huge. Takeover is going to be in Phoenix. Is it, is it Takeover at Talking Stick? Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Takeover. Uh, uh, NXT Takeover Phoenix. Yep. Yep, I'm, I'm going to be out there. Uh, I'm going to be out there doing access. So if you get a chance to go out there, uh, if you get a chance to be there, me and Gallows will be. Or is it is it called access? Is it, Royal, it is Royal like Rumble access. access. The Royal, yeah, the Royal Rumble stuff. Yep. Royal Rumble access. You so get the. We'll, I mean, think about it. You guys get the chance to go out there. You're sitting there. You're listening to this podcast now. You're getting a kick out of Carl Anderson being so open and honest with everybody. You get the opportunity if you're going to Phoenix. To go and and brother it up yourself, you get to you get to brother down with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson as part of Royal Rumble access. That's a that's a a, a lifetime opportunity that you'll remember forever. Oh, you can walk right up to us and two sweet us, just like when I, I walked by Big E today in the hallway and I threw up a two sweet to see if he'd give it to me or not, and he goes, "Man, you know I only do this for you," and he did it. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> so when you, see, when you see us at Access, you can two-sweet us, baby. I love it. I love it. So everybody get your tickets to Royal Rumble Access to meet Gallows and Anderson. Get your tickets to the Royal Rumble in Phoenix so you can see Carl Anderson win the Royal Rumble and start yep. his road to WrestleMania. And, of course, you got to get tickets to take over Phoenix. I mean, we're going to start the year off with a bang, Carl Anderson. Phoenix is going to be on fire on the weekend of, uh, Can't of wait. starting on, I guess, Friday, January 25th, Saturday, January 26th, Sunday, January 27th. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, you know, in Raw and SmackDown's out there. I mean, oh, my God. Over, then you've got the Royal Rumble, and, and everybody loves the Royal Rumble, no matter what. You it's know? the best. It's like, the- I, 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 told, I told my wife, I said, the Royal Rumble's coming up in Phoenix. And she goes, I thought you just did the Royal Rumble. Why is it coming up again? I said, no, honey. That was the greatest Royal Rumble. That was in a different country, for crying out loud. Yeah, and come so on. This is this is the this is the Royal Rumble that, that you look forward to in January, every January. For everybody, looks forward to that. You know what I mean? It, it, no matter what company you work for, 
or, or, or who you wrestled for or whatever, no matter what, you're kind of paying attention to the Royal Rumble. And how poetic would it be? I mean, this would really become your class's event. The Royal Rumble is where AJ Styles debuted. The Royal Rumble is where yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura won the thing so he could go on to WrestleMania and now potentially becomes the biggest night in the career of Carl Anderson. I can't wait to see it, man. I can't wait to see it. Thank you for, for, for being so generous with your time today, Carl Anderson. My good brother, thank you for having me again. I can't wait to uh, come in studio wearing all my merch again <laughs> and, uh, and just sit and talk and put ourselves over and have a great time. It's the best. Thanks so much, man. Here is Sam Roberts. God, how much fun is Carl Anderson? It really doesn't get much funner of a person to talk to than that guy right there. I hope for his sake he doesn't have a fifth kid. Although, if he can score that lifetime contract with WWE... Maybe having five kids wouldn't be so bad, but even four sounds more like a... Once you get past three, I feel like you're building an army more than a family. You know, I mean, the, the, I can't I can't imagine. I, I have one, and, and it's, it's, it's a lot. But Carl Anderson is a guy who can handle a lot, and he's proven it, and I do hope he goes on to the Royal Rumble, and he eliminates AJ Styles, and he becomes the man that everybody knows that he can be. Yeah, baby. Thank you, Carl Anderson, for being a part of the show today. Uh, I do, before we get into State of Wrestling, uh, and there is a lot to cover. You know, there's a lot to cover in State of Wrestling today. It's been such a busy week that we actually had two, count them, two bonus shows that we did uh, exclusively on Patreon at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. One was a Wrestle Kingdom uh, review recap. You know, right after Wrestle Kingdom 13, I jumped on into the Not Sam studio and for Patreon did a bonus show, and the other was AEW was announced and clarified, and we got some questions answered, and we left with some other questions due to their press conference, but right after the AEW press conference, I jumped on live and did uh, an AEW reaction bonus show exclusively for the Not Sam Shills at patreon.com slash wrestling. So I'm going to post the audio and the video of both those shows. Both are going to be available uh, for the audio tier and the video tier of the Not Sam Wrestling uh, Patreon page, patreon.com slash Wrestling. Now, this is not just a commercial for Patreon. Uh, when I started doing uh, the Not... When I started putting together the Not Sam Shills, the point was to build a community where I could create as much wrestling-related content as you guys would possibly want, and that included... Uh, bonus shows, reaction shows, of course, the weekly podcast without any ads in it, uh, the captive audience series where I make people close to me like my wife sit down and watch full shows and you get to watch along with us, uh, all kinds of different ideas that we have, we can do. And when I say we, I don't just mean me, I mean all of you guys, the Not Sam Shells over on Patreon and we open the Discord room and that's been amazing, just active all the time, it's so much fun to watch it grow and grow and grow and, quite frankly, grow. But I'm looking at the tiers and I'm figuring out, like, when I'm creating content, what to post where and everything. Everything feels a little bit convoluted to me still. I want to streamline things over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. I want to make it easier for everybody to get content. I want to create value, specific value, to the tiers. And uh, this weekend... I'm going to jump on Patreon, and I'm going to address you guys. I'm going to address the Not Sam Shills. I'm going to do a State of Patreon 
address. And what that's going to do is kind of talk about where we're at and how we're going to change. The changes that I have in mind will probably mean I'm making less money. It will certainly mean I'm making less money per person. But I want to have more of you have access to more content. So the stuff that might have been available only for upper tiers will probably be dropped down for lower tiers. And that means some of you that are already on the page, maybe you'll drop down your tier. Maybe you won't pay quite as much a month. Maybe uh, some of you that aren't yet uh, shills on Patreon, it'll give you more incentive to fork out. The, it's only a, It breaks down to about a dollar a week, less than a dollar a week. Uh, to be a Not Sam Shell, and ev- all of the Not Sam Shells will have access. I'm going to do a live stream this weekend. I'll post on Patreon when I'm doing it, give you guys advance, and in the Discord room. Uh, and everybody's going to be able to communicate that way. Everybody's going to be able to, uh, we'll talk back and forth about what the plan is going forward. Um, but I'm going to figure out ways to create more value for each tier. You know, the introductory level tier, I think I'm going to give you access to all of the audio shows that I create. The secondary tier, the video tier, that's only $9 a month, I think I'm going to give you access to all of the videos that we create. Uh, The live shows that we do, the Q&As and stuff like that, I think I may open that up beyond just the $25 level tier and above. I think I may lower that and find uh, new ways to add value to the upper tiers. Because the point of the upper tiers, the $25 a month and the $65 a month, first I may lower those because, I I mean, it's a lot of money. I understand that. But the point was never to try to get every last dollar out of anyone. Those, Those were really just set up because if people have a ton of money and they want to support this podcast, which is completely independent, then by all means, please do. But I feel like I've gotten away from my strategy. Forever my strategy was just put the content out there in front of as many people as can consume it and build from there. And I feel like there's too much that's on this Patreon page that not everybody can get their hands on. So my plan is to offer more content for less money. It really is a good scenario for you guys. But I'll tell you all about that this week, this weekend. At patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling. Sign up to the you can sign up at the lowest tier if you want. You can sign up at the highest tier if you got the cash, if you got the scratch. But uh, I'm gonna reorganize some things this weekend and uh, give you guys a lot of bang for your buck, okay? We're gonna create a hell of a community over there. Patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling. Uh we've got a lot of plans already. T- 2019 is shaping up to be kind of an incredible year. Already, of course, everything going on for me outside of wrestling on Sirius XM and everything, and and the YouTube channel, uh, Sam Roberts Now, and and the Not Sam Network at YouTube.com/slash/NotSam. But even in the wrestling world, we've got a huge live event the Friday before the Royal Rumble. That's January 25th in Phoenix, Arizona. Now uh, we're gonna do something new on that show. I talked about it earlier in the show, but that's gonna be a celebration of all things Royal Rumble. We'll be playing video clips. We'll be doing a whole bunch of stuff. So that's going to be a really fun show to be a part of, and it's the first time I'm doing anything like it. So you should definitely be there. It's not just a straight-up 
Sam sits down, interviews somebody, and and we go home show. It's an interactive multimedia experience that I'm putting together only for the fine folks in Phoenix, Arizona that are going to be there. CBLive.com. It's Copper Blues Live at Desert Ridge. If you can make it out, please make it out. Buy your tickets now. Uh, Go to CBLive.com and click on Ticketed Events or... There's a big link to it. If you go to notsam.com, there's a big banner for it right there on the homepage. You can click it. It takes you straight there. Get your tickets. Start the Royal Rumble weekend right. Copper Blues Live uh, at Desert Ridge, Phoenix, Arizona, January 25th. It's the Not Sam Wrestling multimedia experience, a night of appreciation for all things Royal Rumble. It'll be the best possible way to get your weekend started. Okay? We've got other big shows coming up. Throughout the country. It's going to be an amazing time. 2019 is going to be an amazing year for Not Sam Wrestling uh, and for all of you that are following us. Of course, as I said earlier, we're going to do the state of Not Sam Wrestling, of the Not Sam Shills, the state of the Patreon page uh, over the weekend. But right now, we're going to do the state of something else. It's a segment that we do every week here on Not Sam Wrestling. Right now, we're going to do the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yeah, it is. Welcome to the State of Wrestling for Not Sam Wrestling. And boy, oh boy, look, um, I think I'm going to make an executive decision and take Wrestle Kingdom off the list, okay? I, I did a, I did a whole show, and I'm not trying to be make Wrestle Kingdom seem like less of a big deal than it was, but it was officially a week ago, you know? I mean, it was just because of the timing of the podcast, it ended up happening on a Friday. The podcast came out on the Thursday. I did a, a, a recap show of it for everybody that's on Patreon, so you guys got to hear it. Um, and I feel like most of the conversations have already been had. You know, real briefly, it was um, definitely a rebuilding moment for New Japan, but there's still so many questions. I think Jay White proved himself as somebody that can uh, uh, go forward with the promotion. Clearly, Chris Jericho, people were talking about doing a... Uh, uh, Tanahashi Chris Jericho match uh, going forward that's clearly not going to happen but I think uh, the thing I'm most interested in coming off of Wrestle Kingdom is probably the story that's going to be told with Okada having to really come from under to reclaim his spot as the top guy in New Japan that was my takeaway but I had a ton of takeaways and we talked about him you know Wrestle Kingdom is in the books and the and the future is moving forward so you know what else are we going to say other than you know if you're on patreon you can listen to that show Uh, i will say number five i think and again an executive decision it's going to be controversial i'm going to make it uh priscilla kelly and the tampon spot that the internet was talking about this week uh that's my story number five of course we know what we do here in the state of wrestling we rank what are to me the top five stories of the week in the world of pro wrestling, and it's all my opinion. Uh, But the tampon spot, for those of you that haven't seen the video, it was at Bar Wrestling, 21 years and over, all adults in the audience, no children allowed. And uh, at one point in the match, one female wrestler, it was a female match, uh, one female wrestler took uh, what appeared to be a used tampon out of her tights and put it in the mouth of her opponent. Disgusting, yes, but... So was the Mandible Claw. So was uh, uh, the Kiss My Ass Club. Jockstrap activity. Uh, You know, Joey Ryan does do a dick flip. I don't find that disgusting, but it certainly evokes pictures and and makes reference to things that may not be the things that we want in our heads all the time. 
Uh, I can't believe uh, the amount of people that were sort of outraged by this, you know, and I don't know what for, you know, this wasn't done at a show for families. This wasn't done on television. This was somebody's cell phone video got put out there on the internet. Good for Priscilla, by the way. She made a t-shirt out of the whole thing and she's donating part of the proceeds to charity. But, you know, it's pro wrestling. So I, I don't think that the tampon-like object was what it appeared to be. You know, I think it, I, I would think it was a stunt tampon with some stunt stuff on it. Um, you know, and I guess it probably says more to the fact that we as a, as a culture are far less ready to talk about a woman's menstrual cycle than the idea that a man can make quite a bit of money, become a famous guy on television taking a sock out of his pants and shoving shoving it down people's throats. And I don't mean out of his ankle of his pants either. You know, they made action figures. They made T-shirts. They made everything of Mr. Sacco. And I'm glad that they did. I don't think that that was offensive either. But I think sometimes people are looking for something to be upset about. And this would fall into that category. I don't, I don't see what the hubbub is, quite frankly. And, you know, most of the people that I've spoken to also don't, aren't really outraged by the whole thing, but I guess there was some outrage out there. So if you do think that it was over the line, feel free to let me know. I'm happy to have the conversation. Maybe I'm missing something, but, you know, and, and you could say, well, you know, it, it would disrespected the business. It wasn't a, a proper thing for the business. That argument is, it's kind of got to go at this point. You know, we all know it's entertainment. We all know it's entertainment. Like you have to go so far to do something that really, Makes it so that we this isn't even wrestling anymore. It's all wrestling. Life is wrestling. Politics is wrestling. Everything, uh, uh, carny work is wrestling. It's all wrestling. The relationships you have with your friends that you're trying to maintain from high school, even though you don't like them, and he said this to who, it's all wrestling. Everything's wrestling. So, yeah, when somebody takes a fake tampon out of their pants and uh, hits their opponent in the face with it, that's wrestling too. You know, you don't have to like it. I'm not saying it was this amazing thing that is going to change the business and everybody has to give major props to Priscilla Kelly for it. I'm just saying that uh, I don't think it was that big of a deal. I don't, the same way I don't think that we need to sit there and act like, you know, she changed the business and she's the greatest thing since sliced bread because she did this. I don't think that we need to act like she's destroyed everything around us and this is horrible, you know. Just one, sometimes... You know, when one of these videos ends up on Twitter, what they call a viral video, I believe, you can just pass it around and laugh at it. You can just, or not even laugh at it. You could just go like, whoa, did you see this? How wild is that? And just kind of leave it be. You don't always have to, every time a video goes everywhere, you don't have to decide, I'm either 100% for this, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen, or 100% against this, this is what's ruining America. It's not one or the other. Sometimes it's just, oh, that's pretty entertaining. Moving on. Oh, that's something to talk about at the old water cooler. Moving on. You know, speaking of moving on, I'm moving on to story number four. Story number four happened on SmackDown this week, and it is Andrade Cien Almas, El Idolo. Idolo. Idolo? Pinning Rey Mysterio in the big tag match. Look. The reason it's a big story is because it is a big look for Andrade Cien Almas. Uh, when WWE decided to refresh at the end of 2018, 
It kind of left a lot in the air. Clearly in 2019, Andrade Cien Almas, at least in this moment, is somebody that the WWE has a priority in. Um, the only thing that's holding him back is that he doesn't, uh, his English is not great. You know, he can't do interviews and media and stuff like that. But you've got a, when you've got a talent like that firecracker, Zelina Vega, I don't see what the issue is. You know, have Andrade Cien Almas go to every radio station, every TV station, every media outlet that will have him and just let Zelina Vega do all the talking for him. Zelina Vega should be following that man wherever he goes and pronouncing to the world what El Idolo really means. Letting everybody within earshot know that this is the future of the business because once we're watching him, like I am such a fan of Andrade Cien Almas. And let's keep in mind, at the beginning of 2018, at TakeOver Philadelphia, he had a match that a lot of people consider uh, to be in the conversation for uh, uh, match of the year against Johnny Gargano, you know? I think that, that, that there's not much uh, uh, negative you can say about that. And I think that, that some of that was lost in his call-up. That, that, that we have forgotten that he's capable of a performance like that. But clearly the WWE remembers. Clearly the WWE knows because, you know, here's the thing. When you're watching these matches, uh, seeing Rey Mysterio Jr. back, who would have thought? You know, seeing uh, uh, Mustafa Ali, incredible to see him in this position. But the guy that we should be looking at is Andrade Cien Almas. Andrade Cien Almas is, could be one of the potential key players in the future of the WWE. And since coming to SmackDown, not enough people are paying attention to Andrade Almas. Zelina Vega is right with the things that she says. And I would predict that by the end of this year, tranquilo, will be a word on the tip of a lot of people's tongues. And there will be a lot of people trying to to mock that style. A lot of people trying to figure that out. And that'll be because they're trying to, to find the weakness of Andrade Cien Almas, and they're not going to find it. They're not going to find it. I think, uh, you know, seeing Andrade Almas in the position that he's in is great. We should all be taking special note of the fact that he pinned a legend. He pinned Rey Mysterio on SmackDown, the show that Rey Mysterio built. Andrade pinned him. And I think that that's only the beginning for Andrade Cien Almas in 2019. It's going to be a good year for El Idolo. Let's move on to story number three. This was a big one. This was on Monday Night Raw this week. This was the return of Hulk Hogan to Monday Night Raw for the first time uh, in years. In years. And... You know, a lot of people were not sure about the return of Hulk Hogan, me being one of them. Not sure exactly how this was going to go, how this was going to feel when it happened, how exactly it was going to play out based on the controversy that has surrounded this guy. You know, I felt as though, and maybe I was uh, analyzing it too closely, but it did feel to me like the entrance music was played extra loud just in case the fans were not friendly to Hulk Hogan. But you know what? I was looking at the, the social media feedback and a lot of people were not kind about the fact that Hulk Hogan was going to be on Raw, but I didn't really read the same feedback after the segment. I think that uh, WWE and Hulk Hogan actually did a very good job 
of separating the character Hulk Hogan from the man Terry Bollea and the trials and tribulations, both literally and figuratively, that that man has gone through. I think that that that's going to be the key here. For Hulk Hogan to regain uh, the fan support that he once had, that suspension of disbelief has got to kick in. People cannot see... People cannot see Terry Bollea, Hulk Hogan for his real-life actions. People have to be able to get lost in the character. And you never know because Hulk Hogan has screwed up on that microphone before. WrestleMania 30 comes out and welcomes everybody to the Silver Dome. And you're going like, boy, how old is he? You know what I mean? It was, it was an embarrassing moment. And there have been other moments where where Hogan on the mic is not what Hogan on the mic used to be. However, Monday was not one of those moments. I thought that Hogan was a Hogan allowed the audience to get lost in the Hulk Hogan character, which is going to be crucial because, you know, when you read the transcripts, when you look at the tapes of the things that Terry Bollea did and said, it's tough. It's tough. But I thought the segment ended up much better than most of the people thought it would based on what I was reading. Um, you know, and I'm going to be watching very closely at how WWE handles sort of uh, slowly easing Hulk Hogan back into the wrestling conversation. I'll tell you who was not uh, slow or eased back in, but so who, who hit the ground like an atomic bomb. And that's story number two. And that's the way Daniel Bryan opened SmackDown. I mean, Daniel Bryan, you talk about a guy who takes advantage of opportunity given. Several years ago, when the WWE Network was fairly new, there was a podcast, almost as good as my podcast, on the WWE Network. It was called the Stone Cold Podcast, and Vince McMahon was a guest of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that was when Vince McMahon, and go back, like, I watched that Stone Cold Vince McMahon interview, because there's not that many Vince McMahon interviews, especially in this era, you know? I would love to do a Vince McMahon interview just to get it on the record. I mean, the guy is a genius. And, you know, you there's so many stories. There's so much folklore about Vince McMahon um, that it's like when you see these interviews, you start to piece together who the real person is as compared to the TV character, as compared to the legend that you hear about from, like, uh, you know, all the people that worked with him. Um so, uh, 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 right, I brought, I'm like, why did I bring up Vince McMahon? It's because when he's on the Stone Cold podcast, he was talking about uh, grabbing the brass ring. He was talking about uh, uh, superstars need to be able to grab the brass ring. He took a shot at millennials. He took a shot at Cesaro specifically and really was making a point about a philosophy that I think, from everything that I've read, has been something that has been key to WWE for a long time, and that's that WWE gives opportunities. You know, Cody Rhodes in his AEW press conference speech said opportunities don't pay the bills. You know, I I personally am a subscriber to the opportunity theory. You know, Cody's right. You need money at some point, but that's what the opportunity is for. I'm presenting you an opportunity to make a lot of money as opposed to just here's a lot of money. You know, I mean, it's it's two separate ways of looking at it, but in my life, I've always worked 
for opportunity and it's always come back tenfold, you know? And I've always looked for opportunity to work for because I know it always comes back tenfold. There are many examples of moments in my life where I was offered money, significant money, to do stuff that I didn't think was as good an opportunity as I might seek later. I have turned down money for opportunity. Even when opportunity is not promised, I have turned down money for the, for the opportunity that there may be opportunity. That's how much I value opportunity. And that's how much I, I and that's why I think I recognize when other people take advantage of opportunity. I think uh, seeing opportunity, valuing it, and acting on it are among the greatest life skills that a person can have in any trade. If you're a person who can recognize real opportunity and can execute on it properly, not get crazy and emotional and either too happy or too upset or you know, you know, uh, turn around and get distracted by the first shiny new thing. Somebody that really can see the forest through the trees and recognize and act upon opportunity. Look for, recognize, and act upon opportunity. You're going to be successful in whatever you do. Daniel Bryan is one of those guys. There are so many examples of Daniel Bryan. Look, when Daniel Bryan lost to Sheamus, and I brought up Vince McMahon in the golden uh, uh, ring because that's what he was talking about. He was talking about people grabbing the brass ring or the golden ring and and seizing opportunity. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying that guys like Cesaro and people who haven't had the success that Daniel Bryan is having, it's because they haven't been able to grasp opportunity. Sometimes... People end up in situations that maybe the opportunity that they thought was going to be there isn't there. Maybe they, who knows? There's a hundred reasons, but I'm not here to talk about the people that don't execute opportunity or whether people did or didn't. I'm here to talk about Daniel Bryan specifically and the fact that he did and has a history of seizing and executing on opportunity, okay? You go back all the way to WrestleMania, uh, I want to say 28. I think it was WrestleMania 28 when Sheamus hit him with the big boot in the opening match of the show. Daniel Bryan was the champion of the world. In the opening match of the show, Sheamus gave him a big boot, a brogue kick, if you will, and beat the guy in seconds, humiliating him. That could have been the ultimate burial, complete burial. That could have ended a guy's career, but instead... Daniel Bryan recognized that regardless of what plans WWE had for him, the audience was enjoying his performance. He was putting out a performance that was so good that it was undeniable. The audience had been enjoying it. So even though WWE decided your time is up, it's time for Sheamus, Daniel Bryan had been taking advantage of the opportunity of being the champion, of getting the TV time, and of, of, of doing things that are fun and having fun with it. Daniel Bryan took advantage of that time and made an impression on the audience. That was the opportunity. We're giving you the opportunity to make an impression on the audience, right? And in doing that, Daniel Bryan may force the WWE's hand. 
And if you look down throughout the career of Daniel Bryan, he has always forced the WWE's hand without being a brat about it. He's forced the WWE's hand through great performances, not through holding them up, not through, you know, shooting on them, not through trying to get through great performances. He's forced the WWE's hand. And what Daniel Bryan has done, they're like, okay, we don't really know what's going on right now. We're going to turn you heel. And you could say it's all in the writing, but look at that promo that he did with the wonderful and beautiful Kathy Kelly and Mike Rome. Look at the promo that he did with those two on the pre-pre-show on WWE Now. When he's sitting there and he's and he's and he's in character and he's addressing the fact that the title has a leather strap on it. And he's 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 addressing everything that his character addresses without anybody writing for him, just with a live microphone. And it was the promo of a lifetime. A promo so good, it ends up with him in a spot where he is opening SmackDown. And I mean, that's a complicated position to be in. He's not mic'd. So he's got to stay with the camera. He's got to, he's got to move around. He's got to, the camera's going with him. He's got, to, he's, got to, uh, uh, he's got all these elements going on around him. And he's got to focus on the audience at home and delivering his message. And boy, does he. I mean, the opening to SmackDown was fantastic. Fantastic this week. And that was all Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is so good that he's giving other people an opportunity to be good. You know, I loved R-Truth coming out and jumping him for what Daniel Bryan did to him on that Christmas, you know? There, there are just so many little things. But Daniel Bryan's performance on SmackDown, and it's really interesting because ever since Daniel Bryan became the new Daniel Bryan, he has ended up on this top five list. The new Daniel Bryan multiple times has ended up in my top five stories in the whole world of wrestling for the week. And the whole story is just how great was his performance. That's when you know you're onto something. You know, I mean, incredible. Incredible stuff from Daniel Bryan this week. Um, And I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. I don't care if it's AJ Styles. I don't care if it's Mustafa Ali. I don't care who's fighting him when. It's... It's an attention getter. And Daniel Bryan needs to retain the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble because this character needs to go to WrestleMania as the champion. And I think that he will. You know, I think that Daniel Bryan's got it in him. The number one story of the week this week uh, for the state of wrestling is, of course, the All Elite Wrestling press conference. Uh, No news on a TV deal, which was a surprise. Um, you had no news on Kenny Omega, which was a surprise. So that's the first question. No news on a relationship with New Japan. Not the biggest surprise in the world. Um, and yeah, so those were the three. TV, Kenny Omega, New Japan. I would imagine they will not have a relationship with New Japan. It's something that I said, uh, last week. And the reason for that is New Japan already has a relationship with Ring of Honor. Uh... It would be a conflict of interest. Clearly, All Elite Wrestling is a competitor to Ring of Honor. There's no way to slice that. You know, Ring of Honor would be foolish to think anything differently. So, New Japan partnering with All Elite and Ring of Honor is a major conflict of interest. Not anything Ring of Honor should ever allow. Um, so, I don't think, I think that that's, that's done. And I think Kenny Omega is either going to end up in WWE or in All Elite. 
my gut says all elite probably but boy boy would i be thrilled to see him pop up in the royal rumble boy would i be psyched i'm a wwe baby what can i tell you um a lot of pyro again a lot of this was addressed i i did a a reaction to the press conference a couple nights ago for patreon people so we did address a lot of stuff uh in that extended show um a lot of pyro probably an unnecessarily large amount of pyro um but um a, a major roster you've got cody in the bucks obviously you've got adam page mjf who was just here a week ago is a part of all elite wrestling and he didn't tell me do you believe that he didn't tell us hopefully he just got signed within the last week because otherwise we were all lied to like a bunch of fools he didn't even tell me once we were done recording just kept staying in that MJF character, which I don't think is a character. Um, you had Joey Janela there, another former guest that was here in the Not Sam studio, which I'm so happy for. Penelope Ford, which was a surprise because, you know, it was a month or two ago that there were pictures of her at the WWE Performance Center trying out. Dr. Britt Baker, again, somebody that's popped up on NXT and is, of course, in a relationship, I believe, in their personal lives with Adam Cole, baby. Um... You know, you've got uh, um, uh, the the Young Bucks uh, working on a deal with a group from China, which should be interesting. Um, Of course, SoCal Uncensored, SCU. And then the big surprises were Pac, formerly known as Neville, who it looked like was already starting to heat up things with, with Adam Page. And the giant surprise was Chris Jericho. And it gets to be an even bigger surprise with Chris Jericho because he said that he's here for the long haul. This is not a sort of Jericho deal where he's going to jump in. He's going to do their show. They announced they're doing a show called Double or Nothing on May 25th in Las Vegas. He's not saying he's coming in to do Double or Nothing. He's saying he's in all elite wrestling. WWE responded. Uh, from what I read, apparently they I didn't notice, but they took him out of the intro. Uh, and I didn't check, but what I read was that they moved him to the alumni section on WWE.com, which I think is fair. I mean, All Elite is positioning themselves as a competitor to WWE. I don't know why WWE would take it any other way. Cody Rhodes said, opportunities don't pay the bills. A shot at WWE. I personally believe that the reason all those fireworks were going off was because WWE is, everybody knows they don't do pyro anymore. You know, there were a couple of instances. The whole reason that it was in Jacksonville on January uh, 8th, I believe, was because SmackDown was in Jacksonville on January 8th. You're sitting there probably saying, but uh, Sam, the owner, one of the, the, the key principal owners of All Elite Wrestling is one of the key principal owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Khan family. That's why they had it in Jacksonville. Yes, that's why they had it in Jacksonville. But why did they have it on January 8th in Jacksonville? And the reason for that is... Uh, because SmackDown was there, you know? There were reports about WWE not allowing All Elite Wrestling t-shirts onto SmackDown, uh, but there were conflicting reports, so I don't know what's true. You know, I, I heard people say that it was true, they weren't allowed in. Then I saw a video of a security squad saying that uh, people were allowed in wearing them, and and at first they said no, but then they said yes, and, you know, I don't know if it was a misunderstanding. I don't know anything about it, but I'm certainly not going to fall for the speculation. The question is, is it a game changer? ECW, I believe, in my personal opinion, was a game changer. The NWO was a game changer for sure. There's no denying that. 
Is All Elite Wrestling a game changer? And what type of game changer is it, more importantly? I don't think, personally, All Elite Wrestling is an NWO level of game changer. NWO was, an, was, was, was that level of game changer because it pushed so far the WWE was actually in danger. Like, NWO brought WCW to a point that their ratings were beating WWE. NWO brought WCW to a point where you could argue that WWE was not the number one pro wrestling promotion in the country. And you could have a pretty substantial argument. You know, now there's all many, many aspects of what makes the number one promotion. But you could absolutely argue that WCW, for a period of time, about 83 weeks or so, was the number one promotion in the United States of America. ECW, you could never come close to making that argument. But you could make the argument that they revolutionized wrestling. Now, WWE was clearly aware of this. You know, I think WWE and WCW were both clearly aware of this. Eric Bischoff uh, on the 83 Weeks podcast generally says that uh, he wasn't trying to raid ECW's talent and blah, blah, blah. I personally don't believe that. I personally believe that uh, Eric Bischoff, for whatever reason, did want to hurt ECW and did want to snab their talent away from them just because some of the signings, some of the signings I totally get. Why you would want to parry Saturn on the roster in, in the late 90s, 100% I understand. Raven, 100% I understand. But some of these guys that they did nothing with, why do you need a Mikey Whipwreck? Why do you need the Sandman coming in as hardcore hack? It's like a lot of guys from ECW. Did you really want to pay Mike Awesome all this money to be that the fat chick thriller, that 70s guy, Mike Awesome? You know, like like I could see where Mike Awesome would be an asset to a company, but not like that. Unless it was just because, oh, let's steal their, let's steal their candy, let's steal their candy. You're full though, yeah, I know, but I still want to steal their candy. So I think WCW did have that in them. WWE didn't. WWE uh, worked with ECW and actually was, you know, aware of all that was going on. I think that all elite wrestling positioning themselves hostily with WWE as if it was an ECW-WCW relationship may not be the wisest thing in the whole wide world, you know? I mean, if they could, if if All Elite Wrestling were to be able to get a little bit of buzz without taking shots at WWE, WWE may be interested in promoting what All Elite Wrestling has to offer. They were in the past with ECW, you're probably sitting there going like, well, no, WWE is a bubble and it won't accept anything else. WWE lets me show up on their TV. Well, Sam, you're a shill. Okay. But they're not monitoring what I'm doing outside of the WWE stuff. You know? WWE worked with ECW without having their hands all over it. I think that if All Elite Wrestling is a game changer, it's an ECW level game changer. I don't think you're looking at a promotion that's going to give WWE a run for their money as much as you're looking at a promotion that's going to make amazing content, right? You're looking at a promotion, I think, that's going to uh, have great stuff on TV, that's going to be great wrestling, that's going to have great guys there. I don't think WWE is Disney. You know what I mean? WWE is not a wrestling promotion. WWE is a billion-dollar entertainment company. 
All Elite Wrestling has the potential to be the best wrestling promotion in the country, but that's because WWE, in the years since the Monday Night Wars, has graduated to way beyond a wrestling promotion. I am excited for All Elite Wrestling. Uh, I thought All In was a tremendously great pay-per-view, um, and I'm excited to see what uh, what All Elite Wrestling has in store for us. I think that they got to put something on before May 25th. You know, otherwise... I don't know what we're going to be waiting around for. Um, at least announce a TV deal before then. Uh, and I would imagine they will have one. Um, but, you know, other than that, uh, you can listen to the recap uh, on patreon.com slash wrestling because we got into everything. Hey, guys, do me a favor and join me on the 25th of January in Phoenix, Arizona. I've literally been confirming guests as the show's been going on. And it's looking like it's going to be a really fun show. It's going to be a multimedia experience. We're going to be uh, playing moments from the Royal Rumble. We're going to be uh, goofing on stuff. We're going to be having fun with stuff. It's going to be it's going to be really a, a really fun show where wrestling and comedy kind of intersects in to the not Sam wrestling world. January twenty fifth at Copper Blues Live Desert Ridge, cblive.com, or click that big old link on notsam.com. Get your tickets right now. Love all you guys. Thank you for being here. We will see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Great. Review and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.